0: Your inspiration will soar, your art will improve, your posing will become more fluid, and your confidence is going to increase so, so much. And honestly, your clients are going to feel so much more comfortable. Head on over to themilkyway.ca slash family retreat. It all gets underway May 29th, and we hope to see you there.
1: That's the way that I really encourage the connection. I use prompts instead of posing. And I always say to my clients, I'm gonna get you in a position with the light just right, but I don't want you to feel stuck there. I want you to to do little movements, little kisses, touch their fingers, swoop their hair, nuzzle each other. Don't feel like you have to stare at me the whole time. And I really find by letting people know that that's kind of what I'm looking for, I get a lot more out of that.
0: Welcome to the Art and Soul Show, where we dive into heart opening chats on photography, business, life, and that messy in between. I'm your host, Lisa DeJaso, a mom, a photographer, and entrepreneur, and I'll be sharing honest conversations and advice for photographers with insight on mindset, entrepreneurship, and creativity. The goal of this podcast is for you to be able to gain insights and strategies that will give you real results. Because let's face it, having a photography business can be lonely, but it doesn't have to be. This is a place you can go when you need a boost of encouragement, a kick in the pants, and inspiration to pick up your camera. This is the Art and Soul Show. Oh my friends, welcome back to the show. I am so excited to welcome my dear friend, Kelly Goggin on today. Now Kelly began her company eight years ago with a simple goal, really to capture beautiful memories for people, no matter how much they made. She believes that everyone's story is absolutely precious and it's her job to tell that story through their time together and the beautiful art she creates. Her company has grown from 10 clients to over 300 annually. And she is so honored to be part of something that huge in Florida. Now, I'm so excited to chat with Kelly, you guys, because we have spent the last few years really getting to know each other. And in fact, I think the first time we met was on a video testimonial call I did for our students about the online family retreat. Now, full circle moment, Kelly is actually coming to teach this year for it. Now, Kelly has really become a dear friend of mine. She literally sends me encouraging love notes and check-ins just to see how I'm doing. And she is an an incredible talent as a photographer and an incredible mentor to her students. I am so excited to watch her blossom into a passionate educator and a valued Milky Way teacher. Now, this conversation is chock full of chicken nuggets of wisdom and laughter. So without further ado, here's my friend Kelly. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you,
1: Lisa. It's awesome to be here. I'm so excited. So tell us who you are and what you're passionate about. That's a big question right off the bat. My name is Kelly Goggin. I own my own business, Kelly Goggin Photography in Florida in the USA. I actually used to be a teacher of tiny humans for about 10 years. And when my niece was born, I took her newborn photos my business kind of just grew from there. I realized I loved it, started taking photos for other people. I think we've all heard that same old story. But I have kind of grown that into my own unique boutique business. And so much so that I'm now full-time. I shoot only. That's my job, my passion, and my, my future. And I capture real families' genuine moments. That's kind of what I'm passionate about. That's my thing, that. man.
0: <laughs> I love that. So tell us a little bit about finding your style, because I think for many photographers, we get kind of stuck in this evolution that, you know, is this my style? Am I still evolving? And it's kind of this constant journey. So can you share a little bit about your process on finding your style and where you're at right now?
1: Oh, Absolutely. That is such an amazing question because I feel like that's something that not even photographers, even humans struggle with, (laughs) is finding who you are in this world. When you first start, and I kind of want to take a second to talk to the newbies here because I know that that's a very terrifying feeling. It's almost like, do you remember being in school where you had to write an essay or a paper? It's like that blank page thing, right? You have this brand new beautiful business and you're like, oh, but, like, I have to make all these decisions. And how do I do this? And what do I like? And what don't I like? And it's it's can be so overwhelming. And I call it, like, the blank page effect. Because once you make those decisions, things start happening. But, but finding your style is very much the same way. We are bombarded nowadays with social media. And I'm not perfect. I still fall, you know, failure to the comparison gene. But one of the most beautiful things to me is that if we learn with style, to use social media as a dictionary of a language that people are speaking, we don't have to master every single word in the dictionary to be a proficient speaker. And I feel like it's the same way for photography. You don't need to master every single tiny thing that you know or see or hear about or trend that's popular to be an amazing creator. So when you're defining your style, I spend a lot of time reading that dictionary, so to speak, and taking the things that I love and that speak to my heart and make my soul sing and literally walking away from the words I can't pronounce or (laughs) that that I can't remember the definition, you know, and I, I kind of build my vocabulary, my shooting vocabulary like that. So I would encourage people, and I I know that a lot of us photographers, you know, we tend to get on our soapboxes of cheerleading and like, you can do it, you can do it. But we never tell people how. We never give them tips about how to pull themselves up by the bootstraps or how to get off of Pinterest or how to pick up their camera and create. And my kind of advice for finding your style would be surround yourself with masters that you admire. And ignore the white noise. And that's kind of how I did it too. I started setting targets on people whose style I loved and who made me just vibrate with love. And I took that and it evolved into what I do now. So, I love that. I love that.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of the time too, when you're first getting started, there's a bit of a confusion that there are so many different ones. You're like, I love this from this person. I love this from this person. I love this from this person. But when you put it all together, you're like, I don't know where I'm going to go with this. And I think what's really important and what's been so important for me to share is that there really is no right answer. And we get all we get all so caught up on trying to find that right answer when there really is only the right answer for you.
1: Yes, And, and so
0: that's, just finding
1: that, looking into that. Absolutely. And that's such a great point, Lisa, because I feel like when you first get started, and even after your 10-year mark... <laughs> You have this like, "Oh no, and this is what I'm doing enough. I come at it. I've always been inspired by words and quotes and passages and people that are better with their words than I ever can be. And I try to marry that with my with my social media and my captions and my blogging, because I want my work. And I think a lot of people feel the same way, right? I want my work to say things that words never could. I want someone to drown in my image and the beauty of it instead of me going, here's Kelly, I love light, I love babies, put me in a field and I'm happy, blah, 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 nobody wants to hear that. But when you see something that's Kelly, it makes it clear. So when you start understanding what makes your heart beat, then you can pursue that instead of going, oh, well, Lisa shoots these beautiful fine art portraits and I need to be like Lisa. Well, guess what? I've tried that and they're terrible because it's not something that makes me thrive. And I think people need to trust themselves and shoot what they love. There's room in this market for all that stuff. You
0: know? It's so funny that you mentioned that because last night I did a, um, a beach session and went to a local lake and we hopped on And this you hated boat. it. <laughs> I was like, no, you need to stand there and you need to pose. And, like, I had the kids. I was like, no, we're not doing everybody jumping around and having, like, joyful fun. You're just going to sit there and be, like, serene. I need, Mm -hmm. like, the serenity.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) I'm like this is just what I do,
1: <laughs> and see that that's what happens. And you do, and I'm going to use you as an example because I love that you're vulnerable with people. You need to you need to realize that about yourself. You are looking for that quiet contemplation. You're looking for that soft glowy light, and I'm not. I'm looking for the wild, crazy, screaming, hair flying in the wind, sun flare in their brain, like eyes kind of picture. So you need to embrace what you do and what you're amazing at, just like I do. And I think that would give people confidence. If you love taking pictures of babies' feet, guess what? People will pay thousands of dollars for their baby's feet. Just do it well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like like they (laughs) got tweetable. (laughs) So uh, one thing I really love about you Kelly is you clearly have a passion for what you do. Now has
1: this always been the case? Oh boy. Um <laughs> okay, so it has not always been the case. I started off pretty rough and I'm I, I'm going to kind you're going to kind of notice a couple of themes from me. I started out burnt out already. Mm. Because I came into this market and I just wanted to be a photographer and I thought I had to do everything everybody else was doing. And not only that, I had to be good at it. And I had to take those people who came to me. And as a result, I ended up making a lot of newbie mistakes, like completely drowning in work for things that didn't make me happy, shooting like quinceañeras and engagements that I had no business doing in the beginning. And I I went through a dark period like a year after I started shooting and I went, I don't like this. This is not for me and I, I don't want to do this. And that's when I kind of spent that time sitting alone with my thoughts and talking to my spouse and really looking at other people that I loved, looking at them and saying, this, this is poetry and this is magic and this is something that I feel inside of me. I just need to figure out how to get that spark to ignite. And once my spark ignited and I realized the things that I love is motherhood, that is, that is the thing I will scream from the rooftops, what a blessing that is for people. And I want my work to always celebrate that. Once I realized that and I realized that I could pick the tiny details of that apart and really use that to build my client base Everything else just took off, and this fire just kind of built inside of me. And I needed to tell everyone I could find about what I was doing, and it just kind of caught fire. And now the whole town's ablaze. So I love
0: it. I love it. I love <laughs> it. That's what happens when you follow your bliss. I love it. It
1: is, and, it, and it's <laughs> not even follow like. And I think that's so hard because nowadays there's so many you know gurus and people out there going yep. just find what you love and run after it. Well, not yep. everybody knows what they love. I still some days don't know. Me neither. I think I love my husband, and I wake up and I go, "Oh, I have to make you breakfast." Yep. <laughs> so it's fluid, <laughs> but it's finding those things, and there's a super easy way to do that. When you, because we're all on social media, even if we say we're not, I know. even if we say we're great and productive, oh,
0: digital detoxing, except for except for Pinterest and
1: Instagram and Facebook. I'm, I'm well, what a, a great time page. to push a, a retreat, then, eh? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but there's a si- super simple way to do that. It's when you are online, when you are on Instagram, let's say. Let's just pick that out. Spend time in the places that give you that little vibrate. Do not spend time in the places that make you clench your jaw or roll your eyes or want to give it a thumbs down. Spend time on the people's pages and in the places that make your heart go, "Huh. I I like that." And I and I want to learn how to get that, and I and I want to use that in my own stuff. And before you know it, you're going to have a passion for boho hats, or toddlers in overalls, or boat photography, whatever it is. It's just it's narrowing down the things that make your heart jump. You know, yeah. I think it's also
0: um, getting a little bit curious with yourself about when you start to feel triggered or jealous, asking yourself why. Mm-hmm. And then saying to yourself, instead of being like, feel like sitting in that envy and that, you know, those negative or hard feelings with it, taking that as fuel and saying, okay, well, me next.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If
0: like, what, so what in, what in the situation or this art or like, what am I seeing here that's creating that feeling in me? And wh- how can I use that to use that as fuel for me to be doing that?
1: Yes, I think that's such a good point. And I think that's sometimes, people are afraid to to not like someone's stuff because they're jealous of it. But it's such a double-edged sword too, because I believe that when you fuel your fire, it, it can spur you on to do more and be better. But at the same time, that can also take your joy away too. And somebody told me something. I was complaining to my I don't even remember, my assistant, like two years ago. And she goes, I'm going to share some words with you that really when I was having trouble with my kids and not being a good mom, somebody told me this and it stuck with me ever since. And I'm like, okay, please, because I see all these gorgeous people online and I'm, and I'm like almost there and I'm just not there, right? And she goes, just because their bonfire burns doesn't mean it makes yours burn duller. <laughs> and she was like, think about that. Look at a candle. If you put another candle next to it, it doesn't take the flame away. Mm -mm. And and I I don't know if that helps anybody else out there because if you can look at somebody who's burning so bright, it doesn't mean that you're dull. No. It just means you recognize that creativity in that other person. And that to me is amazing. I love that. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully that helps somebody because when will. she said that, I was
0: like, <laughs> light bulb. <laughs> oh, total light bulb. I yes. Love that. I love that. So I'm going to switch to a little bit, I want to talk a little bit about styling. So, okay. how do you style your sessions? And do you have a client closet? And what is your communication with your clients regarding your
1: styling? This seems to be a huge topic lately. Mm-hmm. I actually, in my mentor group, it's like one of the biggest questions the girls ask me because they're like, okay, you have a client closet, which I will answer that question. I do. I have a client closet. Um, I like to refer to mine as the um, normal budget-friendly client <laughs> closet <laughs> because I – You know, it's just me. I don't make dresses. I am not crafty. I see things I love and I put them all in my cart. And then I go, okay, do you really need $2,000 worth of dresses? (laughs) No. (laughs) But yes, I have built a client closet and I've done it in a way. I think that a lot of people might benefit from learning. I carry a closet for moms and women and then newborns all the way up to 6T. I don't go past that simply because I feel like children get so particular after about the, well, let's be real, the age of four, but (laughs) past the age of six, they have their very own opinions of what they want to wear. And I also don't carry men's because I feel like that's pretty easy to style men from their closet. So I focus my attention on the mamas and the little ones because it's difficult to find those timeless pieces for little guys Boys especially, I find. Everything has trucks and characters and all that stuff on it. I also use Style and Select for my clients, which I've used them for a couple years now, and I really love it. Not all clients can afford their, their um, service, which that's fine too. So I actually carry my own. And the way that I do that is I share it a lot online. On Instagram, I have stories that I'll always make sure I say this is in my client closet so people know. But I actually created a lookbook like an e almost. And I had a huge model call about a year and a half ago, which reminds me I need to do a new one because I've <laughs> shopped a little too much. But um, I literally had 20 women come and they just blitz through every dress i had and i shot them all in the same place so that it was like a feature magazine almost mm-hmm. and that i send in a pdf form to my clients and it's just part of the booking process and i say you know one of my things is i love for you to wear your own things i want you to be your own person too but if you see something that i already carry that makes your life easier let's use it and More often than not, I'd say probably 85% of my clients will message me and say, please just do everything. That's fine. Because they trust me and they see that I have a style. So I do. And one of the ways I built it in a um, budget-friendly way is I actually went on Style and Select as my own person. (laughs) And I shop their pins and I go, oh, I could afford $75 for this dress, mine, you know, and I go that way. So that's the way I built mine up too. Yep. Yeah, I love it. Oh,
0: I love yeah. their service. I had, them oh, on a, it's, a few, I had them on a few weeks ago and just getting to chat with them on how they built their platform and how they work it. It's just incredible. It
1: but, is. And they're yeah. so committed to what mm-hmm. they do. And and that's what I loved about them is like every link works. all It's incredible. And there's so many things on that site. It's so overwhelming to somebody like me. I'm like, how do you keep track? I know. I was like, oh oh, I'm in trouble because mm-hmm. I love to shop. Mm-hmm. I love to show hopefully you also love <laughs> to delete that cart too I'm working on that <laughs> I was like how do I get a po box <laughs> I Have you seen that mat that it says on the Amazon? Like, there's a doormat, and it says, "Dear Amazon delivery guy, please hide the packages in the bushes." And then you flip it over, and it says, "Welcome to our home." Oh my gosh, I need that. That's so funny. I laughed so hard when I saw that. I'm
0: like, oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. Oh, that's so funny. The best. So many photographers really struggle to find connection in their family sessions, and I know that's an area where you really excel. So, what are some key tips for infusing sessions with that connection?
1: Well, first of all, thank you. It has not always been that way. I have a process that I go through with my clients, and they, in the first five minutes of us being at the session, I kind of go through telling them that we're going to pretend that we're shooting a movie. I want you guys to think of yourselves as actors in that movie— and the story, like this, the point of the movie is your family. What are the things you want me, as an onlooker, to see about your family? And by giving them that prompt, It puts them in the position of, oh, I am modeling, but at the same time, it's our story that she's trying to capture. And I kind of have that little powwow, and then I'll kind of make a joke out of it later. Like if I feel like they're getting a little bit too tense or relying on me for posing, I'll say, okay, it's your turn to shoot a scene. What is one of the things that you want to make sure is included in your family's story? And they'll be like, well, I love when I throw my little one up, and then I like put him down and I get his belly. I'll be like, great. That's going to be the next scene. And we'll kind of go into that. And that's the way that I really encourage the connection. I use prompts instead of posing. And I always say to my clients, I'm going to get you in a position with the light just right, but I don't want you to feel stuck there. I want you to to do little movements, little kisses, touch their fingers, swoop their hair, nuzzle each other. Don't feel like you have to stare at me the whole time. And I really find by letting people know that that's kind of what I'm looking for, I get a lot more out of that. Mm, I love that. I love that.
0: That is like, you just like, I was, like, that is so exciting. All right, my friends. So motion and emotion are such a huge part of your sessions. So what are some key tips to ensure that
1: happens? So I actually have quite a few tips because I get that question a lot from people and I kind of have thought a lot about that because I think the first most important thing, so I'm going to actually number them because I went and made a little mental list, but the first one is to actually like your clients. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds silly, Mm -hmm. but every single person has something about them that you can like and that you can really feel inspired by. And it might be somebody's, I mean, it might be as silly as somebody's eyelashes or the way that their baby lights up when they smile at them, or like with daddies, all they have to do is growl, like, I'm gonna, and it lights the entire session up, you know? So I try to find that one thing about each person that I'm shooting, and I try to make a mental note of that. So whenever I do feel that things are getting a little stale, or they're starting to feel uncomfortable, I can prompt myself to be like, okay, let me, can you growl at the baby? I just want to see what happens. And then when he does that, I shoot the magic that comes. So that would be my first tip is just find one thing you like about each person that's at that session. The second thing I do, and I found it's been a huge help. And actually it's a, it's a pretty new change. I'd say within the last year and a half, I mentally give myself five minutes at the beginning of the shoot and 10 minutes at the end. I say nothing. I watch the dynamic I watch the natural connections that are happening without me even intervening, and I make a note to kind of exploit those later so I can tell right away if a family is comfortable together, if they're comfortable together or they're awkward in front of me. I can tell which kids gravitate to which parents. I can tell if my couple is touching and reassuring each other or if they're standing far apart and there might be some tension I need to melt away. You know, I can tell those things in that first five quiet minutes and then that really helps me know what to talk about, what to prompt them on, what things to say to them, and their comfort level. Likewise, I do the same at the end of the session for 10 minutes, and when I am done and I'm satisfied that I've gotten all of the moments I want to get, I'll say to them, we still have 10 minutes of beautiful light left. I'm going to shut my mouth, I'm going to walk away for a minute, and I want you just to soak each other in. And I will, I will just shoot around you guys, but I want you just to take this last 10 minutes, and this is for you. This is what I want you to remember coming away from our session. And I will literally do just that. I'll stop talking. I'll just get down on my knees. I'll change my angles. I'll get my long lens on, and I'll shoot from far away to give them space. And I find that in those moments, without me micromanaging, especially at the end when they already know what we've done— that true magic happens between specifically couples. I love that. Do you play music too? I do. (laughs) I have, Mm -hmm. I have like eight different playlists depending on the mood. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the last thing I would say, Oh, actually there's two more. So we were, that was two was the five minutes before 10 after number three would be, I use prompts and not poses. So that's kind of a big difference I think and that's very tricky for a lot of people is what is studio versus you know on location what is posed versus prompted what is lifestyle what is you know all of those terms get thrown around but simply I use prompts I ask my clients questions that will elicit responses from them I don't tell them to put their hand on their spouse's chin or grab the smaller of her back or put their chin a certain way So what I will do is I'll say hey I want you guys to stand together however is natural and comfortable for you. And I want you to suck out the air between each other. And if they're having a hard time doing it, I will go in and I'll you know touch and move and all of that. But I say, I want you to pretend that I have a vacuum and I'm sucking the air out between you. And then I'll say, just do what comes naturally. I don't want you to move a whole lot, but I just want you to just kind of embrace the movement and just talk. Then I'll say something like, What was the first time he kissed you? And she'll just beam, you know, and I'll just ask those kinds of questions. And I find that that gives me the real emotion that I'm looking for, especially with kids. One of my favorites is like in the family one, I'll say, okay, everybody look at Miss Kelly. Great, click. And I'll be like, that was grandma's picture. Now, everybody look at the person who does the best dinosaur noise and they'll look at the kid or whatever and be like, okay, now everybody look at the person who has the smelliest toots. And all the kids start laughing. And that's how I get that. And I, I like to use prompts instead of, okay, everybody look at dad, you know, because I feel like that really elicits a lot more genuine and spontaneous facial expressions, too. Yeah, I love that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Some really, really great advice. Now, I want to know what your go to never fail prompt that encourages those emotional connections beyond what you've already shared.
1: Okay, I have. It depends on okay. the situation. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Obviously, I am not going to share a couple things at a family session. Um, but, okay, so do you want me to answer child friendly or sure. couples? <laughs> Let's do child first. <laughs> okay, child first. What I will do, let's say I have a mama and her three-year-old little girl. I'll have mama put her legs down. I'll have her pull her little three-year-old girl onto her lap facing her. And I always start this kind of flow. And I say, I want you guys, without touching any other part of your body, I want you to t- tap noses. But I want you to do it like a puppy would do it. And I do this almost every single session. And they're like, a puppy. And then there's little barks and cute, you know, cuteness with three-year-olds. And then I'll say, okay. Now, can you find mama's jaw? Show me where mama's jaw is. Can you use your thumb? And she'll find mama's jaw. And I'll say, mama, what's your favorite thing about your baby? And then she'll say it. And then you already have the little girl touching the jaw. And then her face when her mama says, I love that you catch lizards or whatever the case may be. And the mom will start crying without fail because she's not ready for that. (laughs) I'm
0: like cheering up over here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I get... That shot, yeah. And then the little girl is so filled with love and warmth that more of that affection is going to come through for the rest of the posing. Oh, mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. So that's my child-friendly pose. <laughs> okay, so give me, give me the couple words <laughs> Okay. Okay, I have to give a tiny story for this. So use it with caution, but you're welcome to use it. I have one of my favorite poses is to have the, the guy or the taller significant other in the back. And then I'll have them wrap their arms around the person in the front. And I'll say, I want you just to take your nose and I want you to rub from the tip of her hair all the way down to her neck. Really slow, really sweet. And then I'll say, when you get to her ear, I want you to, I want you to tell her what you're getting as a reward for your session. Backstory. I had a couple who was very religious, and that's wonderful, but they were saving their first kiss for marriage. And I was tasked with capturing their engagement session. And the girl said to me, We want it to be affectionate, but not yucky. And we are we are not wanting to get in a position that will kiss. And I said, Okay, no problem. So I was doing that pose. To this day, Lisa. I have no idea what the guy said to his bride-to-be. She turned fuchsia, laughed so hard she wet her pants, and she was wearing a romper, and the session was over. (laughs) So use that prompt with caution, my friends. (laughs) Okay, that's... Awesome. I know. And I just, I kept thinking, I would love to be a fly on the wall on their wedding night. Because, good lord.
0: Seriously. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And we'll see you nine months later. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. So I'm always very
1: careful with who I use that with.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. The best. That is the best. Uh All right. I'm going to switch gears, my friends. So I like to overwork, as you know, because I. I message you, and I share this with you often, mm-hmm. I, put, I put myself in ruts, I bang myself against the wall um, when I'm not being creative, and I'm really, really hard on myself because I'm so exhausted. What has been your experience on having grace with yourself but also creating
1: those boundaries? Oh, okay. If I did know the answer, mm-hmm. <laughs> I probably wouldn't be responding to your messages. <laughs> um, I do have a little bit of wisdom for this because I have I have been able to find a very good work-life balance lately. My husband and I are going through IVF trying to have a baby, and I've learned that stressed out bodies do not make good homes for tiny nuggets. So I have had to step back, even though if it were me, I would have a camera in my hand and shoot every single night. I've had to step back a little bit. And so there is a, a beauty in stepping away when you feel like you can't. And I always remind myself when I start to get back down, or maybe my phone keeps dinging with clients like, Where's my gallery? I'm so excited. I know it was three days ago, but come on, you know. When I start to feel that pressure, I walk away, I go outside for five to 10 minutes, I go feed my chickens or water the garden or whatever. And I play this little game with myself. And I say, If I didn't answer any other messages today, what would be the worst thing that would happen? And if the world would fall apart, I get back in my office and I do what I need to do. If it's anything less than that, I am able to kind of step away and say, I can make my peace with the fact that that friend might be upset. However, it's not worth jeopardizing my health and my mental sanity for, and I cannot pour from an empty jug. So those that do throw themselves into work, and I'm going to get a little deep here with you, and I'm really sorry about that. Oftentimes when you find yourself pouring yourself into work, it's because you're running away from something else and you're pouring yourself into something that gives you meaning and gives you joy and gives you passion and makes you feel okay. I would question you when you start to feel that need to overwork, why are you feeling that pull? Is it because you're running away from something you don't want to think about? Or is it because your family life isn't great? Is it because you're upset because you're not pregnant again? I mean, what what is it that's really pushing that need to overwork? Because to me, it comes from needing to prove to yourself in the world that you're valuable. And if you already carry that light inside of yourself, knowing that you are valuable, that need to overwork goes away. And you're able to come up with systems to streamline things. You're able to focus on your workflow and not do all the little extras that make people go, ooh, Lisa, she's amazing. Yes, we already think that. But you posting on their GIF at 1145 at night, that's not going to change anyone's opinion. Only your own. And so, I'm sorry to get so deep, but that's that's kind of what I find often is everyone that is feeling vulnerable and unsure of themselves for whatever the reason may be, they're going to throw themselves into work. Now, my friends, I'm not perfect. I do the same thing. I ask my husband if he maybe wants to video game tonight so I can work, you know, (laughs) instead of like, let's go for a walk, honey. (laughs) But I often find it's because I'm recovering from a miscarriage or I mentally am not in a place that I can give myself to anybody but myself and once I realize that and I get convicted of that I say okay mouse down I'm gonna go have a coffee I'm gonna hug my husband and I'm gonna go walk in the yard because that's when you can't take a break is when you need to yeah Oof. I feel like, mm-hmm. like
0: if I had like a mic
1: I would drop it right now <laughs>
0: Boom, girl. <laughs> like seriously, oh, nail on the head. What are you avoiding in your life mm-hmm. that causes you to overwork? Huge question. Huge mm-hmm. question.
1: And it's something that yeah. people don't like to face. No. I don't. I mean, I don't either. I'm an ESFJ girl. Yeah. I want to make sure everybody in my mm-hmm. world is happy mm-hmm. and smiling and has enough coffee and mm-hmm. ate a bagel. I want to make sure everybody's happy. Yeah. But I do that at the expense of myself. Yeah. And Same. that realization came and I went, oh. <gasps> It's not going to matter if they don't get their gallery till tomorrow. No. If you're losing sleep over this, you psycho. Yeah. What? What is the point? Yeah. You know? Yeah. hundred so. percent. Oh, that's beautiful. I love
0: that. Love, love, love. So let's talk also about getting stuck Okey or doke. unmotivated or just feeling frozen. Mm. So what do you do when you just
1: don't want to do anything? Okay. <laughs> I have a big answer for this yeah, because I have gone through it. <laughs> I often get stuck when I lose my message Mm -hmm. and I find that that most painfully happens when I start comparing. When I feel stuck. And I I know this is not everyone's experience, but because I think that I am fairly mentally strong and I have to be because I am the chief cook and bottle washer here, (laughs) I don't have assistance to push me in the butt and say, hey, why don't you respond to that email? I have to do it myself. So I have kind of gotten over the, I just don't feel like working. I find that if I get stuck and I start feeling blah or in a rut, that it's because I'm spending too much time looking to the sides and not enough time looking up. And so I ask myself, are you still on your message? Are you still sharing with your tribe that there is love and joy to be found in the world? Because right now we're going through some hard stuff. And I always want people that are viewing my work and being subjects of my work, I want them to feel that there is love and joy in this life to be found no matter what we're going through. And if I vary from that message and I start talking about vaccines, school, whatever, that tends to suck the energy and the creativity out of me faster than just getting my camera and going to the field with a mama who's mm-hmm. nursing. So that's kind of my 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 prompt is if you're feeling stuck there's two things you can do to get out of it. One, do it anyway. And I hate to say fake it till you make it because I really don't like that saying. But if you're scared of something, you should run to it because you're going to find that it wasn't scary at all. Mm -mm. That was just the big bag doubt monster that's going, you can't do that. You're not good enough. You don't deserve that. Those people aren't going to like you. And Oftentimes, your brain plays tricks on you. So if you just just shut that off and you do it anyway, you're not stuck anymore. And then you get home and you have this beautiful session to edit and you're excited and you're sharing all of it again. Or it's time for you to really think about if you're sharing that message still. And if you're not, do what needs to happen to switch gears and get back to your message. And I have this quote I always share, and it's, Stop gazing at the sides and look to the sky. Because as photographers, it's so easy to go, oh, well, she posts at midnight. I should be posting at midnight, but I don't have anything to post because I don't have any clients because I haven't been messaging, marketing myself well, because I haven't been out there. And then you just start to make this whole narrative for yourself that isn't even true at 8 a.m. the next morning. And so if you stop looking in your peripheral and you start looking ahead, to where you want to go, you, Karen or Lisa or Sarah or Emily or whoever's listening, instead of what Kelly does or what Lisa does, it makes your path so much easier. Because then you can just put your one foot in front of the other instead of having to have your head on a swivel constantly comparing yourself and why you're stuck. Yeah, I love it. Those horse blinders. Yes. Yep. Yes. And it's so helpful. And that's the that's the trouble. While I I'm a huge proponent for getting your inspiration from those that you admire, it's such a double-edged sword. Because once you start looking at people whose work you admire, you start asking yourself, well, why am I not doing this? What's wrong with me? And you're comparing yourself to their middle. And that, in my mentor group, one of my girls, Emily, who I know she's going to listen, but she loves the quote that I always say, and it's, don't compare someone else's middle to your beginning. People are so guilty of that. You go on and you see the highlight reel of someone who's been doing something for 10 years, and here you are, a six-month photographer, going, well, I clearly suck. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. You're just, for, you're just earlier on in your journey than they are. Yeah. Uh. So, so true. Stay in your lane, babes. Yes. Stay in your lane. Yes. And hopefully you're on the Audubon and can go as fast as you darn well please. (laughs) Heck yeah. (laughs) Electric car, baby. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that'd be awesome.
0: (laughs) So what has been your favorite session and why?
1: Oh my gosh, I knew you were going to ask me this and I still, okay, I have an answer. I I feel like I know what it is. Really? Yeah. Of mine?
0: Yes. What? (laughs) I feel like it was that sunflower one.
1: Oh, yeah. Right? That was a really... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That is an amazing one, and I loved that, and that made me so happy. I loved that session purely for the reason that that was my... Not my first, but that was my client who looked at me and said, I want to shoot with you. I said, okay. And she goes tell me where, tell me what, tell me what to do, tell me when, and tell me who to bring. (laughs) I said, okay. (laughs) And I said, well, I have a weird feeling. How do you feel about going to the sunflower field at sunset? You're going to wear something that doesn't even exist yet. Um, You're going to bring your baby who I know it's her bedtime, but we'll make it work. And you're going to bring your hubby who notoriously hates photos. And for some reason or another, that ended up being the most magical, and it rained five minutes before it started, so that was another, you know, nail in the coffin, but it turned into one of my favorites, and you're right about that. I do have another one, though, and it's more for what came from it than from this session. And I'm going to make this as delicate as I can, but I had the intense honor of shooting a birth for a stranger. Um, One of her friends is a client of mine, and she messaged me three months before the baby was due and said, this baby is not going to live, and we know that. I want to give her this birth session because they want to celebrate this baby no matter what happens. Are you willing to do it? And I know that you are probably going to cry, and I'm sorry, but will you do it for us? And I thought about it for a while, prayed about it for a little bit, and I said yes, I am here to tell you that was the darkest, heaviest, most horrible night of my life. However, the mama is now one of my absolute best friends. I was there for her in a way that her own mother couldn't be because I got to meet and hold and love on that baby for the hour he was alive, and that's something we will share forever. We still go to coffee every week. (laughs) We still talk on the phone all the time. And I am currently on birth duty because she is due with her rainbow baby any day. (laughs) So that I think for the emotion is probably my favorite experience, maybe not session because the photos still are hard for me to look at. Um, But I got to meet Christian and hug his little face and hear his little cries and and tell that story. And I have been abundantly blessed by my friendship with his mama. I love that.
0: But okay, Kelly, and the strength, because you're also an IVF mama like I am. And I'm I'm actually in tears right now. Oh, Lise. (laughs) Because I, I know the strength that you had to find to go through that. It was
1: tough. Yeah. It was tough. Yeah. And I, I do want to say, and I don't know whoever's listening, I don't know what your family struggles are. I'm going to get dark for a minute. We can edit it out if it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> um, my husband and I have been married 12 years, and we still have no babies. And this is my job. And I'm not unaware of how difficult that is. And I have clients and friends tell me all the time, I just don't understand how you can say the words you do and shoot the things you do and spend the time and emotion that you do on something that is missing from your own heart. And I think it's the reason, and I've told you this before, yeah, Lisa you've this before, I think it's the reason that I want it so badly, that I understand how important those moments are. I want to create that elusive motherhood image for my clients because it comes from a place of needing to do that for myself. Mm. And I finally am getting to a place that there is definitely a future for us. We are going to have babies and adopt babies and have a family, and I know that. But I think that has been so cathartic for me, and I don't think my message would be the same if I had a house full of screaming babies if I had to leave for a session. I truly, I honestly don't. And I have this blessing of this business with moms and parents who trust me fully with their memories, and I don't know that I'd have that if I had a ton of kids. I don't think my passion and my, and my drive would be the same. So I look at that very painful thing as a huge blessing in my business. You know, and we've talked about this because my journey has
0: been very similar mm-hmm. and, you know, the Milky Way and retreats and everything wouldn't exist if mm-hmm. this podcast wouldn't exist mm-hmm. had I got all me,
1: you
0: know, if, if it had all worked out for me too. So, Do you
1: know there's a theory that that's why artists exist, because they're creating to fill a void in themselves? Mm. And I think that also drives your passion. Yep. You are creating to fill, even if it's tiny. I'm not saying we're all broken. I'm not insulting anyone I at know. all. But there is a hole in each one of us that our art, is stretching to fill. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes us so creative. And I feel like those people that get stuck, maybe their life just hasn't been hard enough. (laughs) Honestly, I mean, embrace the struggles because that's where you get your drive from. Lean into the shadow. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Lean into the shadow. It's true. It works for newborn photos, too.
0: It sure does. <laughs> Shoot from the shadows, baby. Yes. Shoot from the shadows. Oh, my gosh. It's our new self-help course. Shoot from the shadows. I love
1: that. <gasps> that needs to happen. I will be the first student. Yeah. As I'm, like, going and buying the, <laughs> the domain. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Okay. If it's not going to happen, it needs to. I'm, I'm copywriting that for it. you right We're now. We're in. We're in. I love it.
0: All right, so we're going to switch gears. We're going we're gonna to go a little, we're going to go ahead to the light right now. All righty. <laughs> All right, so we're going to do a speed round. Actually, okay. I, I've never done this before, so this is going to be fun. Ready? How long do I have to answer? Uh, as long as you want. Speedy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm ready. I don't, know, I, just, I don't know. I just work here. I make the rules. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Nikon or, Nikon or Canon?
1: Canon for sure, till I die. Tea or coffee? Ooh. I'm drinking a lot of fertility tea, but I would choose coffee any day, any day. But I'm only allowed one cup right now. Yeah.
0: What's the most boring thing ever?
1: Oh, my gosh. Okay. (laughs) There's like three boring things in my life, but the most boring thing ever, my husband loves, so don't tell him I said this. He watches this channel called PBS Space Time on YouTube, and it's all about quasars and dark hole, like black holes and all this stuff. And I don't understand any of it. Except I watch it because I love him. It's the worst thing in the world.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. My husband has been making me watch um, shows about Sasquatches. (laughs) And I, like, I can't even.
1: Listen, it's a labor of love. We love those men, so we share their hobbies, even though we're not huge fans. That just means that you love him. He does. Okay. What is the most luxurious
0: experience you've ever had?
1: Oh, okay. I am so grateful for this experience. My husband and I went on a -a two-and-a-half-week trip to the Mediterranean. We went on a Viking cruise like super splurged, took my in-laws, and we went all around the Mediterranean. We went to France and Italy. We went um, and we spent some time in Rome, which I know that's in Italy, but we, we paid for like private tour guides and all of this stuff. We were throwing up at the cost at the time, but to this day, it is the most amazing, luxurious, Awesome trip I have ever taken in my life, and neither of us regret it—not one tiny bit. I mean, they would put gold flakes in the ice cream sundays. It was ridiculous. Oh yes, I love yes. it. I love it. It was amazing. Who makes you laugh the la- the hardest? Oh, probably you. <laughs> <laughs> I am a huge <laughs> comedian fan, though, and, like, when I'm feeling stuck in editing, I'll put on um, the Dry Bar. It's, like, a comedy oh. club in Utah, and they have, like, traveling comedians. I'll put on people's sketches, and I will be snort laughing editing my sessions because it's they're so funny to me. So I love I love to laugh. I love it.
0: What was your mm-hmm. childhood nickname?
1: I don't want to share it. <laughs> <laughs> um, my mother's name for me was Kelly Jabelli. Because my name is Kelly Joe. So it would be Kelly Joe Belly. My traumatizing childhood name was Smelly Kelly Lives in Jelly. Oh. And everybody used to chant that <laughs> when I was little. <laughs> I know. Isn't that silly? <laughs> so what, like, silly? The nicknames people come up yeah. with? And yeah. I didn't smell, I promise. No, I'm sure you didn't. <laughs>
0: I love it. Well, on that note, my friend, we are going to pull the train into the station. Thank you so much for joining me today. I always love chatting with you, and I adore you, and thank you so much for sharing your heart and your friendship, and just thanks for being here.
1: You are so welcome, and I have just one little message for people that are listening, because I feel like we don't hear this enough. You, my friend, are loved and worthy and valuable, and the world needs your lens, so keep shooting. Keep going. Thanks for having me. It's been a blessing.
0: Oh, my friends, that was such a yummy conversation. I always love chatting with Kelly, and I loved how she just shared about leaning in, and sometimes we create from our pain, but sometimes we create from our joy, too. So I'm sending you so much of my light and love today and every day. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to The Art and Soul Show. If you're the kind of person that likes helping others, please share this podcast with your photographer friends. Sharing is caring and it's our mission to help as many photographers create a business and life they are truly passionate about. I'm here to support you on your journey. And if you have any questions, topics, or guests you would love to hear from, please shoot me a note at at lisaatthemilkyway.ca and we may even feature your question in an upcoming episode. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today, and I will see you soon.